The first basic success factor of an education system is that it must build foundational literacy and numeracy skills in our children. And these are, because these are generative skills that enable the child to access other and higher level knowledge and skills in many other fields. And in this age of big data, rapid technological advancement, such foundational skills is actually, are actually more important than ever. Singapore educators have developed a unique way of teaching mathematics, the model method that some of us have gone through in primary school and we know how hard it is, that it requires students to visualize a problem before solving it. It is an open source syllabus. It has been adopted and adapted by many countries in the world, the UK, France, Argentina recently, and also in many parts of the US. The importance of these fundamental skills is the reason all educators in the world closely monitor the OECD PISA results, because it benchmarks the skills in reading, mathematics, and science of students from different countries. In the latest results, UAE has done well amongst Middle Eastern countries. Jordan and Qatar have also registered improvements. Singapore students have done quite well too coming in second after four provinces in China. But what encouraged us most was not how high we score, but that we have one of the lowest percentages of weak performance, and our students from the lowest social economic quartile actually perform above OECD averages in all three assessment areas, and that's very encouraging. The second important success factor is the quality of teachers. Because they are in the front line of education, instructing and influencing students in the classroom. And they play a role much more than the quality of the curriculum or the pedagogy, to or infrastructure for that matter. To attract good teachers, having competitive salaries and benefits, these are important hygiene factors. But more importantly, there is always a need to ensure that the right people with a strong sense of mission and calling for teaching are recruited. And then, being well-trained for the job. In Singapore, one of the best design features of our education system is that the MOE, the Ministry of Education, we centrally recruits and trains teachers to ensure consistency and quality in education delivery. Most importantly, society must value and appreciate teachers. In this regard, Asian cultural tradition has helped Singapore greatly, for it accords a teacher a respectable social status. And with that, good people are prepared to join the teaching profession, even though it does not earn the most, but people find it meaningful. The third success factor is probably the hardest to achieve, which is that the education system must be designed to bring different groups of young people together. And it must create a common space for them to interact, to build bonds, inculcate in them a sense of unity, a sense of common destiny. In other words, education builds and molds the future of nations. And this is particularly relevant to nation states established post-colonialism, which comprise people from various communities and tribes and who have yet to form and forge a common identity. 
This does not happen on its own, just because you put students together in the classroom to spend time together. It has to be intentional and it involves significant policy decisions. So when Singapore became independent in 1965, we were an immigrant society, diverse and yet to be united. We took pains to build up a national school system that used English as a medium of instruction. As a multiracial, multi-religious country, we ensured that religion was kept out of our compulsory school curriculum, and at the same time, we had all students learn their mother tongues so as to stay connected with our ethnic cultures and our identities. So our schools are a place where students of different backgrounds come together and learn alongside one another, providing a common space that is important for nation and community building. We introduce national education, as well as daily rituals, such as singing the national anthem together, reciting the pledge together, the children may not know the words, but over time you do it every day, it does affect you over time. Yeah. And with very long-lasting effects. With these key success factors in place, governments can then build upon this foundation. Various programs can be added, courses, activities, curricula, and they can be delivered through a variety of engaging pedagogies to help fulfill the dreams and hopes of the young. But never forget, this big key foundation stones must be in place first. But rapid changes in technology, industries, and the job market are now disrupting our work and our lives. Education needs to adapt in order to prepare our young for a very different future. All around the world, governments are therefore working hard to reform their education systems. And in this effort, I believe we face three and not exhaustive significant challenges. First, the life cycle of going through education to acquire a stock of knowledge and skills and then use it to embark on a lifetime of work needs to be fundamentally reconfigured. Because whatever knowledge and skills we acquire during what is known, commonly known as formal education will become outdated quite quickly now. Instead, beyond formal education in schools and institutions at a young age, there has to be an educational process that is informal, concurrent, incidental, or interspersed with work, and it happens throughout our lives. Work and education may even be indistingu indistinguishable now, for it is also through work and experience that we learn the best life lessons, and for some students, it is when they are in school that they establish startups and become entrepreneurs. The concept of a knowledge-based economy also does not necessarily translate into an information-heavy education because information can now be Googled. Instead, it is skills and the ability to translate knowledge into outcomes and results that is valued and that cannot be Googled. And it helps us stay resilient against substitution by computers and robots. In short, we need to change education to a lifelong, skills-based and experiential model. Second challenge. Notice, I just tell you the challenge. I don't have solutions. <laughs> yet, yet. That, that's for the Q&A. Uh, second challenge. Education needs to play a part 
in addressing the challenge posed by social media. Social media is fundamentally changing the way people receive and consume information, as well as how we interact and give feedback and affirmation to each other. Shortly after I became a senior civil servant, that's many years ago, and I had many direct reports, I attended a course teaching us, a group of us, how to communicate with our staff. So giving feedback for improvement, that's an anachronism, a euphemism for criticism. <laughs> but giving feedback for improvement is particularly tricky. You need to explain the situation, describe the exact action that the person took, why the action leads to a negative outcome, and what the person can do about it. Yeah. So I, I observe that quite religiously, as do Bilahari, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't attend the same class. But today, uh, all, those, all those skills, I'm not sure, is being observed because we give either a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and then we type almost unthinkingly in the comments column. So that changes really the way we interact and give affirmation to each other. Social media also alters the trust relationships between authorities and professionals with the people that they serve. It is affecting the social, emotional well-being of our young. And there is a growing consensus that it is also profoundly altering public discourse and the functioning of the democratic system. The impact of social media on societies have yet to fully play itself out. Neither has society figured a solution to the ills of social media. But education systems need to recognize its growing influence and equip our young with the values, mindsets and skills to live with social media in this digital world. Education is not the only solution, but certainly an important part of it. I leave the hardest challenge to the last again, and the final challenge to education is to engender a societal mindset change away from a very deeply entrenched but increasingly outmoded notion of success, which is that the academic path and university degrees are the only avenue to success. There is no doubt that a degree from a good university still opens doors to good careers and professions. This remains true partly because the knowledge and partly because of the knowledge and skills the education imparts in the students. But it is also true partly because of the market signal a degree sends. A very popular university can be highly selective in admitting students and being selected and graduating from that university signals talent and quality, and employers recognize that. Both reasons are becoming less relevant over time. With advancing technology, intense competition, rapid changes in industries, employers need talents who possess diverse skills that when combined together can deliver results. A degree, therefore, is not the only proxy to skills. I suspect that over time, real experiences, internships, mentorships, even micro-credentials may become closer proxies. Moreover, as more and more young people attain degrees, 
it blunts the market signal for talent and quality. And that is a key lesson, and that is a key reason societies that produce large number of graduates often experience high graduate unemployment because the degrees loses its premium and its market signal. Education systems, especially at the higher education level, therefore needs to develop multiple pathways for progression and achievement. In turn, society, whether it's students, parents, or employers, we need to embrace these new pathways. And it is a societal mindset that has to shift, and I think it's inevitable, and it is an imperative for all of us. I look forward to our discussion. Thank you.